Hey there, you are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast. I'm your host, Annette Jones, and this is episode number 41, That We Might Have Joy. You are listening to the Motherhood Elevated Podcast for women who want to find clarity of mind, create lasting emotional well-being and confidence, and achieve amazing potential. Come with me. This will be fun. everyone. How's it going? How's your March been so far? It's been a minute since I've recorded a podcast. February was quite the full month around here. We had lots of visitors from out of town and took a couple of little weekend trips of our own to visit with family. So it was a lot of fun. And I've been coaching with some new clients and yeah, just a lot of the usual stuff that keeps us hopping around here. I was thinking um, how we're at the two-year anniversary of when things started shutting down in 2020 and how life is actually starting to feel somewhat normal again. We had um, the mask mandate lifted at our schools recently, which kind of feels like a big deal, big step towards normal. So it's interesting to think back to that time when we had no idea what was ahead of us, right? Maybe maybe it was a good thing we didn't know beforehand. <laughs> but we're here, and it's 2022, and now we have some new challenges ahead of us, right? So the events of the past couple of weeks over in Europe between Russia and Ukraine have kind of shifted our attention to some other really you know disturbing and tragic circumstances and I definitely try to limit what I watch how much I hear who I listen to as far as news goes but for me it's kind of a fine line between you know being aware of what's happening in the world and just being consumed by it I have definitely felt my share of distress and anxiety and anger and sadness and confusion about this war that's being waged against innocent people, as I'm sure many of you have. And it's been an interesting couple of weeks trying to navigate how I want to feel and what I want to do in the midst of it all. It's just kind of hard for me to believe that this kind of blatant evil really does exist in the world. And I don't know, the injustice of it, the immorality of it, just is really hard for me to comprehend. So I came into this podcast episode not really knowing what exactly I wanted to say. It's hard to feel so helpless in a situation like this, but... I kept having the feeling that I should just share some of my thoughts and my feelings about what I've been experiencing just to kind of clear my own head, get more solid on what I believe, how I want to handle the difficult things going on, you know, in in my own life and the lives of people I know and in the lives of people all the way across the world. And I don't know, maybe it will be helpful for you too. So I'm just going to share a few thoughts today and we'll see where this goes. So I kind of wanted to explore this concept I've been thinking about a lot, which is the concept of joy and why it's so hard sometimes for us to experience it. The scriptures tell us that men are that they might have joy. We were created to have joy. So why is it so hard for us to feel it? Why does it seem so elusive? And the thoughts I've had about all this have been very random. So I'm just going to share what's been on my mind and hopefully by the time I'm finished, it will all come together and make at least a little bit of sense. But I think these concepts are all somewhat related and that we can learn more about how to create and feel more joy in our lives by taking a deeper look at them. Because the more joy we feel, the more joy and love and goodness we can put out into the world. So thank you in advance for bearing with me on this one. I think these are important things to talk about. So I've actually had um, a few conversations with different friends recently that all kind of share the same thing, and that is you know, how to keep moving forward with life as usual when other people in the world are experiencing absolutely horrendous situations. How can I sit in my nice, warm, safe house with plenty of food and not feel terribly guilty when I see others going hungry, being driven from their homes, and just desperately trying to survive? 
how do I even let myself feel one bit of happiness or any other positive emotion for that matter when there is so much suffering happening in the world right now? And I know that some people struggle with these feelings of guilt more than others. I think this is um, closely related to what's called survivor's guilt, which is when one person survives a terrible illness or accident that someone else doesn't survive. And they feel a great deal of guilt because they got to live. They got the miracle and someone else didn't. And this is a very real phenomenon, a real feeling, right? And it can be paralyzing because it feels so unfair and so confusing. And as humans, we do a lot of comparing, right? We want things to be fair, quote, fair, right? But we are all children of God sent here with a -a one-of-a-kind blend of individual talents and gifts and experiences and opportunities and personalities. Each of us is so unique that comparing ourselves and our lives and our experiences to someone else's is actually kind of ridiculous. And who knows? What God sees as good and necessary for one child might not be the right thing for another, right? Only he can see the big picture. Only he knows what each of us truly needs to experience, to learn what we need to learn, and to achieve what we were sent here to achieve. And so for us to spin out in guilt or shame or scarcity, because in our minds things aren't fair, is kind of counterproductive. Because where do those kind of emotions get us? Those emotions are mainly survival emotions, right? Which mean they turn us inward. They cause us to focus on ourselves. They're more likely to drain our energy than to fuel it, right? Ignoring or stifling your own happiness does not alleviate another person's suffering. I don't know if that feels true for you, but sometimes it does for me. For some reason, I picked up a belief somewhere along the way that it's productive, it's responsible, it's compassionate for me to sit in feelings of despair or guilt when someone else is suffering. And this isn't the same as mourning with those who mourn, right? There is certainly a a place and a purpose and a goodness in those clean, connecting, healing emotions of sadness or grief. Um, And we want to share these things with others, right? We want to hold space for those going through difficult times. But the tricky thing is people are always suffering. There was suffering before COVID. There was suffering before Ukraine was invaded, right? We just weren't hearing about it. It wasn't on our radar. But if the criteria for us to feel positive emotions and find joy in our lives is dependent on no one ever suffering, we're never going to be able to give ourselves permission for that. I remember a few years ago when my mom was in her last few days of her battle with cancer and I had um, gone to be with her and the rest of my family and those were some really hard days. To see my mom suffering, to see the pain she was in, to know that it was just a matter of time before she was gone, some of those moments were actually excruciating. And I just remember thinking that while my family was going through one of the most difficult experiences of our lives, there were other people in the world who were experiencing some of the happiest times of their lives during those days. There were people taking vacations and new babies being born and all kinds of fun and exciting things going on in the same world where we were mourning and suffering and that it was all okay. I didn't want the world to stop. I was so grateful that there was still joy and productivity and good things happening out there. Now, I realize that many of the situations going on in the world are not the same as my experience with with my mom, but again, what good is it doing anyone if we are paralyzed with guilt or helplessness or despair? I can't think of one way that sitting in those emotions are helpful. I know because I've tried it and the days that I've let those emotions run the show, even though they seem right and fair, like those are the only emotions I should allow myself to feel, 
if others are suffering, those days are full of things like compulsively checking and scrolling news outlets or social media, eating junk food, avoiding doing things that are productive like cleaning my house or connecting with my kids because I'm just so in my head about everything, worrying and thinking and overthinking. Um, it's just, it's not necessarily bad to feel these emotions, right? But I do not like the results that staying stuck in them creates for me. I think it's also important to note that in any situation, we aren't ever really experiencing just one emotion, right? During the days preceding and following my mom's passing, yes, there was a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. Our hearts were broken. But I also remember being amazed at the really beautiful and even elevated emotions I felt during those days. I felt a strong connection with and love for my family and for all the wonderful hospice nurses and friends and neighbors and ward members who helped our family through those difficult days. I felt immense gratitude for the tender mercies that let me know that God was fully aware of me and my family, that he was with us, bringing us peace that surpassed our understandings. I felt so powerfully the reality of our heavenly home, and I could feel the presence of angels, both with my mom and with our family, comforting us in our time of need. And I remember very vividly feeling the strengthening power of the Savior, of his atonement, truly carrying those burdens with us so we didn't have to travel that road alone making it possible for us to keep going, to keep moving forward and doing the things we needed to do you know, during those difficult days. So yes, it was one of the most excruciating and heart-wrenching experiences of my life, but those days were not exclusively filled with grief or despair. There were moments of connection and peace and beauty and strength and gratitude and miracles all mixed in. And I'm sure it's the same for others who suffer. One sweet friend and I were messaging about this last night, both you know, pretty upset and disturbed by some of the things that we're seeing reported in the news. And she made the comment, um, somehow there has to be some good that comes out of all this. And I thought, yeah, yeah, there is. I've already heard some amazing stories of hope and compassion and faith and answered prayers and tender mercies. It reminds me of what Viktor Frankl said about seeing both the best and the worst of humanity in his experiences in a concentration camp during World War II. His famous quote is, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. And we're seeing that, right? We see people uniting, giving of their time, their talents, their energy, their means to come to the aid of complete strangers half a world away. So yes, we are seeing the worst, the most evil humanity has to offer, but we are also seeing the best, the light and goodness that comes when people see others in need and do what they can to alleviate their suffering. Now, I know that there are plenty of people who probably don't need to hear any of this. In fact, they're great at just kind of shutting out the news and the world and (laughs) they just keep living their lives. And honestly, that's really amazing to me. My husband is one of those people. He's very even keel. It's very hard to get riled up. And that's a quality I really admire in him. I've always been one who thinks and feels very deeply, sometimes to my own detriment, because as I mentioned, that can easily turn into rumination and keep me stuck feeling helpless or guilty or even ashamed that others are suffering when I'm not. And the more I've thought about different people and their reactions to the things going on around them, the more I've realized that our reactions to these things are really just a reflection of what we believe about ourselves and other people and about how the world works, right? The way we interpret and relate to things is really based on our own individual experiences and beliefs and perceptions. 
And so many people won't struggle with feelings of guilt or helplessness, and some of us will. And neither one is right or wrong. I just want those of you who are struggling right now to know you're not alone. I've had several conversations with friends recently expressing the same feelings, and I was actually surprised because, like I said, I thought it was just me. We kind of do that, right? We think we're kind of the weird ones who just think or feel a certain way, but really these are all just human emotions, and we all feel them, just in different ways and in different circumstances. So I guess my message to you today is don't be afraid to feel and even pursue joy. Don't indulge in the false belief that your happiness is somehow taking away from the world or from others. It's easy in a world with such a scarcity mentality and mindset to think that there is only so much happiness or positive emotion to go around, right? And we think that happiness is outside of our control. Like we either have it or we don't based on our disposition or our circumstances. I remember hearing one time that the words used for happiness in the languages of English and German and French and Spanish, probably, probably other languages too, um, come from the roots of words that mean luck or fate or fortune. So for centuries, it was just assumed that happiness came by luck or fate, that it was dependent on our circumstances, that some people had it and some didn't, and that it was just kind of outside of our, of our control. So interesting, right? And so great that now we know that happiness isn't just luck. It isn't something that just happens to us, but something that we can cultivate in our lives. Um, some of you might be familiar with a talk given years and years ago by Boyd K. Packer. It's called The Play in the Plan, where he talks about our existence as spiritual beings as a three-act play. The first act being our pre-mortal existence, where we lived with God as his spirit children. The second act being our birth um, into this world, into mortality. And the third act is everything after this life, our progression in the eternities, right, with our heavenly family. And I've always really liked the picture he paints here. I think it gives us some perspective on this life and on some of the inequities and injustices and the suffering we see playing out all around us. And he says, The course of our moral life from birth to death follows a plan described as the great plan of happiness. There are three parts to the plan. You are in the second or the middle part, the one in which you will experience or be tested by temptation, by trials, and perhaps by tragedy. In mortality, we are like actors who enter a theater just as the curtain goes up on the second act. We have missed or can't remember act one. The production has many plots and subplots that interweave, making it difficult to figure out who relates to whom and what relates to what, who are the heroes and who are the villains. It, it is further complicated because we are not just spectators, we are members of the cast on stage in the middle of it all. If you expect to find only ease and peace and bliss during act two, you will surely be frustrated. You will understand little of what is going on and why things are permitted to be as they are. Remember this, the line, and they all lived happily ever after, is never written into the second act. That line belongs in the third act, when the mysteries are solved and everything is put right. Until you have a broad perspective of the eternal nature of this great drama, you won't make much sense of the inequities of life. Some are born with so little and others with so much. Some are born in poverty, with handicaps, with pain, with suffering. Some experience premature death, even innocent children. There are brutal, unforgiving forces of nature and the brutality of man to man. We have seen a lot of that lately. Do not suppose that God willfully causes that which for his own purposes he permits. When you know the plan and the purpose of it all, 
even these things will manifest a loving Father in heaven. So I think it's so important to understand that this life and the seeming unfairness of it is not the end. That yes, while there is inherent suffering and evil and pain and sickness in our humanness, we've also been given our agency, which allows for us to create love and connection and goodness and joy in our own lives that we can share with the world. There will always be tragedies and injustices and acts of pure evil in the world. But if we allow ourselves to be paralyzed with guilt or fear or anxiety because of them, what good is that going to do anyone? Every little positive emotion we feel, every positive action we take adds a spark of light to the flame of goodness that's growing in the world. We hear all the time about how the world is getting worse, right? How there's so much evil and darkness. But we can't forget that in contrast to that dark, light and goodness and compassion and connection are also growing exponentially. I see it. I see it in my family. I see it in my ward and in my community. I see it even on social media. I I see some of it in the news, right? I see it in the world. People coming together to share what they have to lift and bless others in need. And I have been moved to tears reading about the sacrifice and generosity of so many who see the needs of others and just act, right? Whether it's praying or fasting, whether it's sharing resources, offering support and encouragement, opening up their homes. There's so much goodness happening in the world right now, even as we speak. And I'm guessing that these acts of love aren't coming from feelings of guilt or fear or anxiety. They might have started there, right? That might have been the first emotion that was felt. But people have felt these emotions and then chosen to use them as a catalyst for good. Right? They've turned them into generosity, into compassion, connection, and pure love. And from there, I believe that literal miracles are happening. So in a world full of evil and suffering and heartache, why should we even try to cultivate joy? Why shouldn't we just be grateful that we're surviving and leave it at that? Why would we think we need more? Well, going back to that scripture I referenced earlier, we are that we might have joy. God sent us here to have joy. He wants us to have joy. And we can't have joy without the opposite, right? The greater our suffering, the greater our potential for joy. It's just the way that it works. So cultivating your own joy and happiness does not diminish anyone else's experience. It's not selfish or irresponsible for you to feel joy, to savor the good things in your life, to be grateful and aware and present. These happy moments are what make life worth living, right? And they can actually bring us strength and comfort when we face our own challenges. If we don't let ourselves feel good and savor our own happy, positive experiences in the present, we won't have those reserves to draw on as fuel for getting through our challenges in the future. And not only that, but when you are happy, when you are joyful, when you are experiencing an elevated mental and emotional state, you are more likely to turn outward, right? We think feeling happy is selfish, but actually sitting in emotions that shut us down and turn us inward is kind of more selfish, right? When we elevate our own emotions, We generally want to reach out and help others rise with us. Our joy and peace and success can empower us to help others create the same kinds of experiences in their own lives. I remember hearing an interview with Brene Brown years ago, and she was talking about joy, and she made the comment that in her research and work with her clients, she found that the most terrifying and difficult emotion we experience as humans is joy. And when I heard that, it kind of stopped me in my tracks. I literally remember where I was and what I was doing because I so totally resonated with that statement. And I'd never heard anyone say anything like that before. Again, I thought I was the only one who felt that way. And she went on to explain that we kind of sabotage those moments when we're feeling deep joy and gratitude 
with thoughts of worry or fear. And she used the example of a parent standing over their sleeping child, just being overcome with, with pure love for that child. And then in that same moment, imagining something terrible happening to that child. Does this happen to anyone else out there or just me? (laughs) She also used the example of those times when things are going really well for us. Work, marriage, family relationships, you know, things are going well. And then you think, "Uh oh, things are going a little too well. Something bad is going to happen. And so joy, the joy that we feel in these, you know, these circumstances becomes almost foreboding. We're afraid to really be present and to soak in those moments and feel that joy because we're afraid it's going to be taken away. We're trying to beat that bad thing that we think might happen to the punch so it doesn't blindside us, right? But in the process, we lose the opportunity to create an experience of joy. She said um, she interviewed a man who told her that his entire life, he never got too excited or joyful about anything. He just kind of kept himself in the middle, not really ever letting himself feel too many big emotions. That way, he said if things didn't work out, he wasn't devastated. And if they did, it was a pleasant surprise. Well, when this man was in his 60s, he and his wife of 40 years were in a car accident and she was killed. And he said, the second I realized she was gone, the first thing I thought was I should have leaned harder into those moments of joy because that did not protect me from what I feel right now. And when I heard that, I thought, wow, that is me. That's what I do. I had a really hard time letting myself get too happy or feel too grateful or feel too much joy because then what if it was taken away from me? It was almost like this protection, right? That if I didn't allow myself to feel too happy when things were going well, I wouldn't feel too sad or disappointed if they took a turn for the worse. And this was combined, I think, with another belief that I had that life couldn't get too good. That if I, if I was too happy, if things were going too well, something had to happen to even things out. Um, and in his book, The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks describes this as... Um, the upper limit problem, which is the tendency we humans have to limit our own happiness because we think um, we don't deserve for things to go well all the time. He says, each of us has an inner, inner thermostat setting that determines how much love, success, and creativity we allow ourselves to enjoy. When we exceed our inner thermostat setting, we will often do something to sabotage ourselves, causing us to drop back into the old familiar zone where we feel secure. That's so interesting, right? Does that resonate with any of you? And so for some of us, we can get to the point where we start feeling anxious when we're feeling positive or elevated emotions because we associate those with something bad having to come along to level the playing field. And because we just expect that to happen, we might even create a problem out of thin air, right? Like picking a fight with our spouse, finding faults in others or getting easily offended. Maybe we stop taking action on a goal we've been working toward. Or maybe all of a sudden we start noticing all the things that are wrong with our house or binge out on junk food or start shaming and blaming ourselves because of our child who's struggling, right? This could play out in lots of different ways. We actually make ourselves suffer ahead of time when there's no need for it. I heard someone on a TED Talk the other day say something to the effect of we, we either worry ahead of time about something going wrong and suffer twice if that bad thing happens or we cannot worry about it and only suffer once if it happens. And I laughed because how often do we do that to ourselves, right? So because of this upper limit problem or this foreboding joy, as Brene Brown calls it, we can actually sabotage our own relationships and success and our productivity and our joy. So being aware of this um, playing out in your own life can lead to some huge breakthroughs as to why you just can't move forward on your goals, why the same problems keep coming up over and over again in your relationships, um, why you feel guilty or anxious when things are going well, 
And once you're aware, once you see areas of your life where this is affecting you, you can start addressing them. You can start being intentional about how you want to think about your goals and your life and the people in it and start taking positive action to move forward and make changes that will stick, right? And this is actually a really big concept that comes up for a lot of my clients. And it's interesting to see it pop up in so many different situations. I see it in you know so many different circumstances, but it's the same general problem. So if you're having a hard time feeling joy, feeling gratitude, feeling much of anything lately, um, be onto yourself, be onto your brain. It's always on the lookout for what's wrong, right? It wants to keep you safe. And it has some pretty crazy and actually unhelpful ways of doing it sometimes. But I think it's good to know that these feelings you have, the survival emotions, the elevated emotions, they're all supposed to be here. They all serve a purpose. Our survival emotions alert us to the things we might need to address in our lives, right? A great question to ask yourself when you feel a powerful one coming up is what is this emotion trying to tell me? If we're feeling sad because of something we see on the news, maybe that emotion is giving us the opportunity to pray for those who are suffering, to mourn with those who mourn, right? If we feel guilty for living in relative ease and comfort when others are struggling, maybe that's a signal to us to look for meaningful ways that we could use our time or energy or means or influence to go out and do good in the world. If we're feeling anxious or lonely, that could be a sign that we need some connection either with ourselves or with another person or, or with God, right? Ask yourself, what is this emotion telling me? What do I need right now? And what do I want to do about it? What we are feeling is one thing, but what we decide to do with that feeling is, you know, another thing. And don't be afraid to feel all the good feelings too. I saw a quote that Brene Brown posted today on Instagram from Karen Walrand um, that says, I will never apologize for embracing joy and beauty even when the world is falling apart, because joy and beauty are my fuel for activism. And I can't tell you how much I love that because I have seen that true in my own life. My actions that are fueled by guilt or shame or anxiety or scarcity are very different than my actions that are fueled by joy and gratitude and abundance and creativity. And I have to constantly remind myself that it's safe. It's even good for me to feel those elevated feelings. So these are the thoughts I've had lately. I've been thinking about all of you and the struggles and the challenges and the good things happening in your lives every day. And I just want you to know that there is hope. There is hope for those of you who feel overwhelmed about everything going on in the world. There is hope for the people who are suffering. And the greatest source of hope we have that's been so powerful for me in my own life is the hope that we have in the Savior, right? And his ability and his willingness to be with us, to comfort us to know exactly how we're feeling and what we need in any circumstance we're in. So I've got a few quote, quotes I want to, to share with you as I end, and I'm going to start with one from D. Todd Christofferson from a talk um, entitled The Refining Fire of Affliction. He says, Hardship is often a crucial element of our eventually being made perfect. It is what makes life more than a simple multiple choice test. God is not just interested in what we do or don't do, but in who we are becoming. If we are willing, he will teach us to act as he acts, rather than simply to be acted upon by other forces. And I love that. This is the life that God lives, right? He uses his agency, just as he's teaching us to use ours. He is not acted upon, but uses his agency to act. He isn't sitting up in heaven with no problems or concerns. Sometimes I think that's the idea we get, that once we get to heaven, we won't have anything to manage our minds around because everything will be perfect, right? 
I don't think so. Our heavenly parents, I'm sure, still feel all kinds of emotions like sadness and grief, watching their children innocently suffer or make choices that cause suffering for others. But they are not acted upon. They can continue in their work and their purpose. They aren't phased because they are perfect in choosing how they will feel and what they will do in the midst of all of it, right? Tad R. Callister in his book, The Infinite Atonement, said, The more we become like God, the freer we become. Freedom is described as the agency to think and act for oneself. Freedom and Godhood are parallel paths. In fact, they are the same road. This is the exalting quality to become so perfected in our lives that not only do we live with God, but we become like Him. This is the ultimate oneness. The objective of the atonement is not just to cleanse us, but to so transform our lives and our way of thinking and acting that we become like God. So that is the purpose of life, right? To gain knowledge and experience that will ultimately lead us to become like our heavenly parents and live as they do. And this last quote from Sherry Dew that I love, she said, Sometimes we think that the world around us is what is real. But this world is so fake, so much of it. What's real is our Father and His Son, the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all the power available to us to help us do what we came to this earth to do. So I just want to leave you with this thought, especially those of you who might be a little like me and struggle sometimes to lean into joy. That our Savior didn't come to earth for us to be unhappy. He didn't come for us to be miserable or overcome with feelings of guilt or inadequacy. He didn't die for us only to, you know, be overwhelmed with fear or anxiety or despair. He wants us to experience the joy he intended in giving us his gospel. His message is one of good news and hope and mercy and grace. And as we learn to turn to him and trust him, we will feel his presence and influence in our lives. You are that you might have joy and lots of other emotions too, but don't be afraid to really step into that joy that's available to you. It's just as available and valid and real as any of the other emotions you might feel. Okay, so that's it for this week. Thanks for sticking with me. That was a lot. Didn't realize all of that was in there, but I hope it was helpful for you. I know it has been for me. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you ever have any questions or would like some extra help with any of the concepts you hear on this podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can DM me on Instagram at Annette Jones Coaching, or you can email me at annette.motherhoodelevated at gmail.com. So have a wonderful week, everyone. I love you all for listening, and I will see you again next time. Bye. If you like what you hear on this podcast and would like to learn more, I invite you to go to my website at AnnetteJonesLifeCoaching.com. There you can sign up for a free mini session where I'll help you see how the tools I teach on this podcast can be applied directly to your own personal challenges. You can also find information on classes I teach and get on my email list for a weekly dose of inspiration straight to your inbox. Again, that's AnnetteJonesLifeCoaching.com. I'll see you there.